Hello and welcome to episode 47 of Slaytanic Vercast. I'm Mo from France and to my west, broadcasting from Emmanuel Macron's submarine war room, standing in front of a big wall chart with the words Australia and submarine underlined in red with massive gloomy-faced emoji next to it. It's Dr. Lequescence. How are you doing, Doc? I'm great. Um, I usually am. Um, always had a fondness for submarines. Mm. Um, I've, I've, I've always liked the idea of submarines and I've always liked the reality of submarines. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always thought, and I don't know if there's ever been such a thing, a submarine would be a great place to, uh, to set a horror film of some description. Can you uh, think of there, it? There definitely is a horror film set on a submarine. It's British... I'm desperately scrambling here. I am not going to be able to remember it in time. The, 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 this is this, this is for chow time, motherfuckers. Next 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 week, basically. Yeah, yeah. Make a note of that for the errata. For sure. Um, and uh, they're fantastically spooky places. Mm. And obviously, uh, Emmanuel Macron's personal submarine. Um, I actually think uh, Mr. Macron has got a perfectly legitimate axe to grind. Legitimate or illegitimate, did you say, sir? Legitimate. Okay, go on. Um, well, I mean, um, being shanked on done deals isn't mm-hmm. something to allies, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, did you just kind of... It's a bit like Welshing on a bet, isn't it, effectively? Yeah, and, I mean, the... It's, it's not even the most despicable thing they've done, but uh, I don't know whether people have noticed how frequently the government of the United Kingdom has been Welshing on bets. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, and I'm just curious as to how many world powers they seek to alienate by doing this. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, alienating your kind of closest neighbour upon whom you're relying for, I don't know, like security information, assistance with kind of immigration policies. Maybe not the smartest move, Mr. Johnson. Um, yeah, um, but I mean, when it comes to um, like when at the Discovery Channel um, do their top 10 government smartest moves, um, I don't think ever anything this particular government of the UK um, has done will we'll, we'll, we'll make it into the top 10 list. Sure. OK. Uh-huh. Have you, any examples, Doc, from your from your massive brain? Well, um, we, we can start with... Um, backing out of the deal on the Chinese government building nuclear power stations. We can back out, we can talk about backing out of the deal on the Chinese government agreeing to provide cell phone mm. infrastructure. And um, we can talk about the whole, um, basically, um, burning a whole bunch of international treaties, which we signed in good faith, and um, turning our backs on, 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 on the EU. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a whole bunch of fucking dumb decisions being made. Yeah, yeah. Well, what a heavy start! How about that? I didn't expect my off the cuff, um, my off the cuff intro to turn into into news night. Um, sure. Uh, no, it, it, I've 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 been getting a bit heavy this week, mate. Um, it's all right, man. And I'm 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 going to preempt the what have you been listening to section because it's thematically appropriate just here. Go on then. Um, I after mentioning Monster Magnet the mm. other day, I felt the need to go and listen to lots of stoner metal. Ah yes, yeah, well, because we mentioned Monster Magnet, we also mentioned Caius, didn't we? The, the, with yes. the mighty track Thumb. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, well, amongst my favourite tracks, or uh, um, and some of these I haven't been carrying around a track listing for, there's at least one thing by Electric Wizard. Mm-hmm. Um, there's at least one thing by Cathedral, which yeah. um, you could probably guess would be the mighty Midnight Mountain. Ah, yes, of course. Well, what a tune. There's at least one thing. Um, uh, there's at least one thing by Orange Goblin, and at least <laughs> one thing by Iron Monkey. <laughs> I'm not familiar with Iron Monkey. The, the, the other three I, I know, but Iron Monkey have passed me by. Yeah, um, and because it's me, as you would expect, um, there's some Saint, some Saint Vitus in there. Oh, Saint Vitus! Good God! I mean, anybody who's not heard, is that is that funeral doom, Doc? Would we say? Um, I. I um, I've heard it referred to as a slow core stoner doom. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's probably too stoner to be classed as funeral, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the pace is similar, but the vibe is not. I mean, it's um, two bands, like, um, separated by thousands of miles and genres and hair length mm. um, and by substance of choice, but... Um, in my wildest dreams, I would have liked to have seen the Spaceman 3 St. Vitus doubleheader. Oh, God, yeah. That, that, here's a question. Do you think a big difference between Stoner Doom and Funeral Doom is that Funeral Doom requires really high standards of production where Stoner Doom can get away with being a bit more shoddy? Yeah, I think it does. Um, I think the whole point of Stoner Doom, unless uh, 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 by listening to it, um, it doesn't somehow make you think about being in a filthy basement, sat on a knackered sofa, crawling with insects, mm. um, probably with someone with the VT, with, with the DTs or in the final stages of an overdose on the opposite side of the room to you. I think if it doesn't make you feel like that, mm-hmm. it's probably not doing the job. Because I, the reason I reference like the production standards of Funeral Doom is, for me, you know, if it's Funeral Doom, you've got, a guy with a guitar kind of hitting a real low-end power chord about once every 45 seconds. <laughs> and, it, and, and it kind of has... And the, and the production standards have to be high because every time he hits that power chord, it has to have the effect of... You you, you kind of have to feel like, you, like your skull's being staved in with a piece of granite. Yeah, I mean, um, you can't have the... Um... You can't have fret buzz on it, can you? No, you can't. Um, it, it, it's, I mean, it's got to be thick and fat. Um, you I was know, just and, about the fact that um, since obviously to to play funeral doom, um, you obviously need four digital delay pedals, yeah, um, all in series, um, <laughs> so that the note you play will sustain for the half life <laughs> of the universe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, any, any funeral doom bands that, that come to mind? Do do lid. Do Lid count as funeral doom? You, you tell me about Lid, because I, I do not know the name. Um, I think all you need to know is they have a, a, an album named In the Mushroom. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, very good. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they certainly sound like they qualify. Is it LID? Yes. Yeah, just lid. Wow. There you go. I mean, um, how stoned have you got to be to think that that's an acceptable name for a band? <laughs> <laughs> what should we call our band, man? Oh, I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, since, since we've moved into the what have we been listening to section, I've got Route 1, Doc. I've been listening to a bunch of Dimu Borgia. Of course I have. That's what I do, isn't it? Um, um, I'm assuming the song Mauling Palace was included in there somewhere. No, no, I didn't go for the uh, Enthroned Darkness Triumphant album. This week, I've particularly focused on their sixth album, which is called Death Cult Armageddon. Um, I'm looking at the Encyclopedia Metallum page now. Um, according to this, it's uh, based on 31 reviews. It's got 65%, which is pretty much, pretty kind of par for the course for Dimmerborgi because of course you know amongst those reviews will be the lovers and the haters you know so they never get particularly high scores uh that they are a band that do attract you know a, a huge amount of detractors you know pe- people that will that, you know that will go on to onto review sites and give them like zero percent um just just to deliberately drag the score down so you know th- those kind of percentages have to be viewed with the appropriate level of cynicism death court armageddon is it a good demi borger album i've listened to it about four times this week um it, it, it's a real mi- kind of mid-range offering for me it's uh, it's super symphonic um you know they've got absolutely fucking bonkers in the studio in terms of you know augmenting the basic instruments with you know kind of orchestration um doesn't always work but when it does my god it, my god it bloody works when they hit the big time on this album I'm, let me just click in click into the actual album see if i can give you chuck you a cup for a, 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 a recommendation i would go mm, opening track allegiance Say track eight, Cataclysm Children. Probably no point really going into great detail about you know what Dimmu Borgia 
are all about because I would imagine most people listening to this are aware. Um, but you know, this is this is pure. This is Dimu Borgia at their Borgirian. <laughs> you know, they're kind of Borgirian extremities, basically. Uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it does not. Um, chow time, motherfuckers. For people that may not quite understand what we're talking about, like Johnny Come Lately's, because I don't think we've explained what this means, have we, for, for maybe 20 or 25 episodes. Chow time, motherfuckers. Do you remember, Doc, what chow stands for? You're going to have to remind me. Here we go. A bit of French for you guys. Les corrigements. Les informations additionnelles et les observations. So, corrections, additional information, and observations. Chat time. Chat time, motherfuckers. We've got four tonight, Doc. Um, let me find the first one. Here we go. Well, while you're looking, yeah. this isn't so much of a chow as a, um, a thing I thought of later. Mm. Um, I'll keep this short as best I can. When we were talking about the literal meaning of the song, Dissident Aggressor, yeah. um, I was aware of the fact that I hadn't even looked at the name of the song. Um, and I hadn't even considered the fact that it was about Soviet dissidents. I'll be honest with you, Doc. After, the, after we finished, after we wrapped up the recording, I contemplated the fact that we hadn't mentioned the title and it, it even discussed what it meant. Yeah. Um. I think this is due a revisit in the album wrap, which is obviously only next week. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so expect lengthy expositions um, about spy exchanges and Andrei Sakharov um, and, pe and, um, and people like that. I look forward to that, Doc. Here's the first correction proper. Um, in, the, in the Distant Aggressor episode, in fact, I think all the corrections come from that episode, in the Distant Aggressor episode, we were speculating as to when ACDC were formed, and we banded about numbers like 1967, 1968. In fact, they were formed in 1973 in Sydney, Australia. So now we know. Later than I, later than I would have guessed, Doc, I, I, I must be honest. Yeah, I mean, um, I think it's just that thing about them being stuck on the other side of the world when yeah. international travel was extremely difficult and even international communication was difficult mm -hmm. and you know i mean so I, I don't suppose it's out of the question that um things i suppose things in the southern hemisphere uh, could have ended up sounding a little older or a little more dated than um than they might have done so are you suggesting doc that it, 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 kind of music takes a little bit of time just to kind of, just to kind of travel around the globe well, in those days, the only way you would have had a chance to have listened to music, any kind of extreme music at all, um, so if it wasn't played on the BBC World Service, um, if you were in some part of the Commonwealth, you'd have to wait until the records got there. Mm. And the records wouldn't get... Um, unless you, you had a relative in the old country who was prepared to buy the stuff and send it to you. Uh, and, of course, it's really heavy. That cost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, you'd have to wait until someone in your country did an import deal and a distribution deal. And I mean, um, being in Sydney or being in Cape Town, you're probably better off than many other people are. But uh, I mean, the, I was having a chat to somebody else the other day it was from that part of the world. And I had to explain that people who've only ever lived on tiny little islands like I have, 
lots of lots and lots of tiny little islands, but people who've only ever li- really lived on tiny little islands, we've got no understanding of continental space. Sure. I can't even imagine how big Canada or Australia or South Africa actually are. Mm-hmm. Um, and the logistics involved and what it takes to get a minor album um, from a bunch of unknown bands into record stores in the sort of relatively out not even the relatively outlying towns well i did uh, just you know just imagine if if you've got like a pressing of i don't know you're in a, you, you you're an australian um record company uh, based in melbourne let's say and you've got like a pressing of ten thousand, and you want i don't know like two thousand to go to melbourne two thousand sydney two thousand brisbane and then two thousand you want to go to perth and adelaide you know i mean to ship those over to, to the other side of the country, that's yeah, that, 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 that's no minor undertaking, is it? For, for, for the for the profits you'd, that you'd that you'd reap? Um, no, absolutely, it isn't. Um, and I mean, you know, conversely, um, there's no there's there's no sale or return on these things with tiny distribution companies. You've yeah. got to front the cash to get your ten thousand copies first. Yeah, yeah. You know, if if you acquired five thousand copies of something in Vancouver or Halifax or somewhere like that, what are you going to do if you can't sell them? Mm, mm. Um, I mean, that just you might be able to stand one, uh, but I mean, two failures like that, and you, you could seriously ruin your business. Yeah, it's a it, really, really good point, Doc, actually. Yeah, just from a logistical standpoint. Um, yeah. Correction number two, um, the Doc was listening to Necro Goat last time. Of course he was. Um, he made a recommendation of a track to check out and called it Praise to the Infernal Goat. No such track exists. Um, <laughs> instead, you want to be searching for... You want, In fact, you want to be searching out for the glory of the Infernal Goat. Get it right, Doc. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I hope people will forgive me. The sentiment was there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got the word wrong. You did. My turn this time. Um, I speculated that the band named Alfader meant Our Father in Norwegian. In fact, Alfader is the modern Norwegian interpretation of an alternative Old Norse name for Odin, which is Alfaor. Forgive the pronunciation, my Norwegian friends, um, because it's got one of those weird o's with a funny squiggle on it i don't know what the fuck to do with that um <laughs> and it actually means all father which is much more transparent into english i suppose alfader all father there we go hmm. there we are brother um last one <clears throat> we said that ram it down by judas priest predated south of heaven well it does I don't think we said it i don't think we said it i don't we think did. we said that category did. we did oh, doc sorry. we did yeah we did i've done the edit we definitely definitely said that damn there we go yeah um Some so, damning evidence uh, from our uh, own mouths right there. you know from the horse's mouth um well it, here's the fact it does predate it but not by much ram it down was released in may 1988 and south of heaven was released of course in july of the same year, so no possibility that they could have covered that track for South of Heaven. What's there we go. There we go. Um, done a topic. I'd love a topic, yes, please. <clears throat> Give me a number between one and four, please. Um, what shall I choose? I had two, um, three. In the Ghosts of War episode, you made a passing reference to how cathedral, in quotes, cathedral 
changed your life? <laughs> Expand, please, sir. Um, I was asked by a friend of mine, by a very good friend of mine, to go and see a band I'd never heard of in my life before. Mm. Um, it was at a medium-sized club in Hanley, in Stoke-on-Trent. Um, can picture the venue very, very clearly. Can't even remember its name, even though I played there myself more than once. Mm. And it would have been 400 capacity, I would say. What was really nice about that place was um, it had a very high ceiling. Don't know what it was built for. Um, it had clearly been a community theatre at some point in its life. Um, and uh, went into the room. Um, and I already liked my metal, and I was well known to like my metal. Um, and knew nothing about cathedral. Um, and as a live experience, they were absolutely unlike any band I'd seen or heard in my life before. Sure. I didn't realise that um, men in that day and age could be so thin. Mm-hmm. Um, which is funny. This is Lee Dorian, right? X Palm Death. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And in so. Um, the bass player looked like a hippie geography teacher mm. um, with the biggest, most envy-inducing brown corduroy flares I've ever seen in my life. Um, Lee Dorian, I can't remember much about, um, and uh, apart from the fact that uh, he had black hair and he was really thin. Yeah. Um, and when they opened up with their first track, which was um, Vampire Sun... I'd never heard anything that loud and that heavy. Yeah. Um, and I'd, I'd seen some heavy bands and I'd heard some really fucking loud bands. Um, I'd never heard anything that, that, had, that had that combination of volume and heaviness in a really quite a small space. Sure. Um, I literally didn't know that anything metal could groove like mm. that. Mm. Um, I... Um, Anything that I'd heard up until that point that had the words funk and metal in the same description kind of made me want to wretch. This, by the way, um, in the days before Red Hot Chili Peppers got good. I I don't consider Cathedral to be particularly funky. Am I wrong? Um, They are. They're incredibly... They're not not funk metal. They don't, like, lob, pointless slap bass. They're not, like, they're not like Clawfinger. No, um, but I mean, in my opinion, if you think that Sly Stone is funky, and if you think that James Brown is funky, and if yeah. you think Isaac Hayes is funky, and if you think that Curtis Mayfield is funky, yeah. you will think that Cathedral are funky. I just, I just never, I, I had never associated that adjective with Cathedral for some reason, but 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 now you pointed out, it's it's blindingly obvious. Um, I mean, you, you could you could get it onto Cathedral, make no mistake. Yeah, <laughs> um, you could you could you could dance the freak daddy to Cathedral. Yeah, and, yeah. and who says I haven't? 
Um, and yeah, absolutely changed my life. Um, I went out the following day. Um, I went to Marks and Spencer's and I bought the biggest pair of brown corduroy flares I could find. <laughs> um, and they, they, were, they were pretty big. I did pretty well that day. Um, I had an aging brown leather jacket already, um, which I lovingly rehabilitated. Um, and I, st uh, I stitched um, paisley patches onto the elbows and I drew the Venom logo on the back of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the only thing I couldn't do was to, to, to grow my hair because I've never been able to do that. Yeah, I mean, you must have looked like an absolute wanker. You must have felt great. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, you cocksucker. <laughs> Thank you, mate. <laughs> um, and um, I found a pair of spectacularly knackered suede desert boots. Yeah. Um, in um, Heart Foundation. Yeah, brilliant. Um, which I spray painted green. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and uh, I mean, that, that, was, that was my outfit for the rest of that summer. Well, there we go. Honestly, that's absolutely marvellous. You, you, you've, you've painted images in my head that will never be forgotten. That's absolutely great. Yeah. And you, and, you, you, you've stuck with Cathedral. You, you still listen to them today, don't you, basically? Literally today. Oh, literally. Oh, you said it. Yeah, quite did, literally you did, today. You did say it. Yeah, you're quite right. Yeah, absolutely fabulous. Um, wonderful. I mean, I've never quite jived with Cathedral to the point that you do, but but I do love, I mean, I do love their standout. You love Vampire so Midnight Mountain. Uh, is it Matthew Hopkins? I am Matthew Hopkins, Witchfinder. You know, yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. I absolutely get down on, but it does have to be the more the more kind of metallic end of it. I don't really get on with it when they get all kind of bluesy and nerdly. Um, they do do a bit too much of that. Yeah, um, and this is sort of time to reinvigorate a topic we talked a bit about last week when you asked me, um, like, are there any bands who've had one standout album that I love and nothing else that I rate at all? Oh yeah. And I only came up with two examples. And I haven't come up with another, but th there's there's a whole ton of bands that, in theory, I love, even though I only actually like even like about twenty or thirty percent of, of of their material. I like a bit more of Cathedral than that. Yeah. But um, I mean, the, 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 they're wildly inconsistent. Mm. And mm. I'm prepared to cut them some slack for that because they they give themselves a broad canvas to paint on, um, sure. and they paint over every square inch of it. Mm. I've got a few bands like that, you know, where, where, where I like, you know, a good chunk of tracks, but not whole albums. But, but I'm not going to throw that away because, you know, we'll do that as a future topic, I imagine, at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah, should we get on with the track? I think we should, yes. All right, guys, don't I, forget I, I, you. I've just got to um, tell you the, uh, the sad ending to the story, though. Oh, go on. Someone stole that jacket. Oh, you, in fact, I think you've mentioned that either last week or the week before, and it, and it, 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 it damn, damn near broke my heart. 
A little piece of me died that day. Yeah. I'm not joking. No, I'm not, I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah, but they, they broke the code, didn't they, those, those bastards? Yeah, um, someone stole my, my brown leather jacket with the Venom logo painted on the back. Yeah, no, that's absolutely and shocking. If, shocking. You, if you're there, if you're listening, you know who you are, and mm. I'm just prepared to say forgiveness is still a possibility. Mm. Mm. You've turned <laughs> the jacket to me. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, and to do so, don't forget you can contact us on Twitter at Vercasts or on email. It's like we script this stuff, isn't it, Doc? Or on email, <laughs> or on email at slaytanicvercast at gmail.com. That'll do it. And what 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 do the perverts do, mate? Oh well the perverts can contact us on Facebook if, if they so choose to do. Of course. Let's get on to part two. Welcome to part two of the show. Here we're going to play the track, pause it from time to time to talk about what we're listening to, and generally just get on down to a bit of thrash metal, for Christ's sake. Today's track is, of course, track 10 from South of Heaven, the final track, Spill the Blood. Here we go. I mean, before the big chords kick in, isn't that lovely and delicate for Slayer? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's a fantastic introduction. Mm. Um, amongst many other things, um, I'm a sucker for anything where anyone does that thing where they turn the volume right the way down, hit a mm. note on the guitar, and then turn the volume up um, oh, yeah. as the note is going. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that gets me every single time. Mm. Um, and a nice delicate arpeggiation. Um, Absolutely. With a slightly morbid edge. Yeah, yeah. Dark as fuck. It is dark as fuck. But at the same time, really, really... Just, I mean, there's no other word, is it? Just delicate. It, it sounds finessed. Um, can't you imagine that being the intro to... I'm going to say not particularly the kind of Lucio Fulci films that we know and love, but one of Lucio Fulci's classic offer, uh, more, more, more classy offerings. Can't you imagine mm. that being the intro to an, alter, a, a, a direct, an alternate cut of The Beyond? Certainly, yeah, 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 the beyond, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm also thinking um, maybe what, what's, what's like City of the Living Dead, you know, just something a bit more kind of, I don't know, kind of surreal.
yeah, um, just something with um, something with a bit more brain and a bit less guts to it. Yeah, yeah. And it, funny enough, it, I've actually um, got a piece of music here because I, I don't know why, but every time I hear this track, it reminds me of this. Let's see if you can spot this, Doc. any bells um i feel as though i should know it yeah is that actually the intro to a lucio Fulky film it is not but it's a horror film and it's definitely one that we've watched together it's american yeah. you're gonna have to tell me it, it, it's it's the nightmare on elm street theme basically is it now yeah it is it, it, it's like the spooky music when in the nightmare on, in the nightmare on elm street film well the good ones at least you know kind of when you get those spooky kind of pat like you know panning shots or, or kind of dolly shots down a down like a school corridor or something yeah that's the, that's the music that's playing um and and spill the blood always puts me in mind and, and they are kind of not on elm street about 84 85 you know they, 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 it's about it, it's all around the same time isn't it it wouldn't be out of the question for uh, Slayer to be influenced by contemporary horror uh, horror films now, would it? You wouldn't think so, would you? No. You wouldn't think so. Let's press on. Let's, let's see what happens when they actually hit those big chords. <laughs> what happens doc it gets fucking awesome um it's great isn't it i mean this is the bookends of this album the first track and the last track are evidently the tracks that convinced me that what lay in between was much better than it actually turned out to be mm -hmm. which isn't to say i don't like it it's not mm -hmm. to say i don't like the album um and once again there's more stuff here that i'm really going to put off until the album wrap next week yeah um yeah uh, it gets absolutely awesome um mm -hmm. and so we've got um, a proper Slayer morbid melody. Mm -hmm. um, we've got proper big chords. Yeah. You've got like a real basic arpeggio. It's beautifully selected on the guitar. The position on the guitar is perfect. It's lovely. It's delicate. It's fragile. And then, but, but, but quite straightforward to play, you know, and then, I don't know which guitar, I should have checked actually, but, but I didn't. I don't know which one's playing, you know, I don't know who's playing the actual little, like the arpeggio or who's playing the chords. I see it, it tends to be Kerry plays the arpeggios and Jeff does the chords. So let, let's assume that's the case. Um, so, so then Jeff kind of hits, hits, and it's just five basic power chords just hit, selected with precision. I mean, just the level of darkness and morbidity that, 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 that's invoked ju just through that chord selection. Doc, I, I, honestly, I don't know how they fucking do it. Um, I don't either. And here's a question um, 
I ask these, I end up asking these questions quite a lot because I'd really love to hear from someone who knows composition and music better than we do. Um, you hear a lot of people talking about um, not just, I, I can pick out specific chord shapes. Mm -hmm. So when someone plays a chord, I can take a good guess whether it's fifth or a seventh or a flat fifth or um, whether it's got some diminution in it or some augmentation. You're doing better than uh, me, Doc, because I, I can't do that. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really know what that means. Right. Um, you, it's one of those things um, you would recognise it if you heard it. Mm -hmm. um, and what I can't tell, I assume because I'm fucking tone deaf, um, is what, no, what, what the root note is. Yeah. Now, musicologists will tell you that you will use, for instance, um, a, um, a D minor uh, with some diminution for a particular emotional effect, mm -hmm. or an a, uh, a an A natural for a particular emotional effect. Um, it's the root notes I can never the the shapes I can pick out and I can understand. It's the root notes I can never pick out. Can you? Well, I mean, thrash in general, I mean, ha you know, having learned a lot of Slayer and having learned a lot of thrash in general, thrash generally comes from E in terms of your position on the guitar. So if you, if you hold a guitar and you hit that top string, like the big fat string at the top, that, 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 that's your E string. And then if, if you go to the next string, that's your A string. But then you go up to the seventh fret and that again becomes the E. Yeah. Um, and then the ninth on the on the third string, which is the D, is again then an E. And so then that's why you can kind of play all those three strings together. If you if you're if you're kind of pressing down on the A and the D on the seventh and ninth respectively, you produce an E chord. Um, and in general, thr all thrash comes is based on E. Um, so, and, and uh, the, but but there's a reason for that, Doc. And the reason is because to, to play thrash, to play metal in general, well, thrash and death certainly, um, you need to be able to chug on the E. And every time you go back to the E, which is now open, you chug on it, and the note that's being produced is the E. Well, I say it's the E, but of course, lots of metal bands detune, so it yeah. changes the tuning of it, but ostensibly it's the E. Um, so I know, for instance, speed metal is almost never detuned. Mm -hmm. um, Sure. Didn't we spot the exact point at which Slayer started using, uh, started tuning half a stop down? It's, um, oh, now that's a very good question. I mean, they certainly do. I mean, this is one for Chowder. I'm pretty convinced they've always gone down half a step from Show No Mercy onwards. But, but what happens is, I think it, it's either Diabolos in Musica, which, which obviously we haven't got to yet, or God hates us all, where they, where they go down either to D or to C-sharp. Um, so, actually, we've always been listening to them mostly playing in the key of E-flat. Well, always, I would say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, unless I'm wrong, and it, it, you, put, you put a little seed of doubt in my head here that maybe Show No Mercy is at concert tuning, so it would be just on flat, just on like, standard E. Sure. Yeah, it's um, possible. So this is one of the things that interests me a lot. Um, never studied music. Um, listeners would never guess this, would, uh, would they? I've never really studied music at all. <laughs> um, Based on our conversation the last two minutes, it's pretty clear neither one of us has. 
um, uh, and um, particularly when uh, I come out with comments like I have done in the past, uh, like it's the timing that makes it sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, they play a different note, I think <laughs> I said at one point as well. Um, so, um, full disclosure to our listeners, just in case they haven't guessed. Um, we are not in any way music students. We have, along the way, picked up um, how to play musical instruments, um, kind of, and also a few desultory bits and pieces about theory. Um, but... I, in particular, would love to hear from anyone who really knows what they're talking about, any of the stuff. Sure. Yeah. But, but I mean, I, I would add the caveat, but, you know, I'm, I'm not particularly interested in being, in being told that I, that, you know, that, that I should really get my head down and study because it is of zero interest to me. Um, I've got no interest in being told that I should get my head down and study. Um, it's interesting to me because there is this sort of, um, and I've got no reason to believe that these people are making it up. There is a corpus of knowledge which says that you can use um, certain chord shapes with certain root notes, um, which are, th there appears to be a widespread opinion that these resonate emotionally on a very, very primal level mm -hmm. with human beings. Mm -hmm. And I, when, when people make bold statements like that about human psychology, then um, immediately I get interested. Sure. And, and, and there is clear evidence, you know, for example, that, you know, the, the vast majority of successful pop tunes are all kind of based off the same three chords, um, which I think is A, E and, and A and G, I think, um, just kind of played in, in, in different orders with different kind of time differentials between, between the, the, the change ups. But you can literally play those three chords and generate you know kind of almost as if you can automatically generate a pop hit um the, 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 there's a great video on youtube if, if i can find it i'll drop it in at this point what you're trying to say is you can you can take those four chords repeat them and pump out every pop song ever is, is that what you're saying yeah fuck off yeah fuck off chicken little <laughs> just listen do you recognise this? Uh, yeah, that is Don't Stop Believing by Journey. That's a great song. Very original There's a few more song. that fit. Check it out. My life is brilliant. My love is pure. I saw an angel of that I'm sure. Well, that's just two songs that are similar. That's forever not young. Three songs. I want to be forever young. I won't hesitate no more, no more. It cannot wait. I'm yours. This is the way you left me. I'm not pretending. No love, no hope, no glory, no happy ending. Cause you were amazing. We did amazing. So this is where I start to think, actually, and I, I know we're getting away from the source material, but um, I feel the need to sort of mention this since you brought mm. it up. This is the point at which the professional musicologists arguably start to sound like they're full of shit. Sure. Um, there was a chap on the telly the other day, um, and he was attempting to explain why ABBA songs have the emotional resonance they have, and um, he attempted to demonstrate the chord progressions they were using by playing them on a piano. And what he paid no attention to at all, and I don't even know if the fact that, that for instance, 
um, what makes Gimme Gimme Gimme? Sound like such a great song um, is the fact that it uses a really strange synth timbre that mm -hmm. I don't think had ever been heard in popular music before. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the arpeggiated section is played so superhumanly fast. When that record came out, I don't think there'd ever been anything that sounded like that before. Yeah, great. Great example, uh, Doc. Yeah. And I don't think it, I think the guy was so locked into his thing. Um, I don't think any of that even occurred to him. I remember going to, I mean, talking about like musical theorists. I remember going to a, back in the day, you know, I'd only been playing guitar for about six months. And I, and I thought, well, I need some lessons, don't I? You know, I'm kind of trying to do this by myself and with my mate. And I'm not really making much progress. So I thought, well, I need some lessons. So I found a, found a guitar teacher in the Yellow Pages, it would have been at the time. And popped along. Um, he asked me what kind of music I liked. I told him I wanted to learn how to play like Iron Maiden because I was like 18 and, you know, um, still had ideal, kind of ideal, idealistic dreams of being a rock star. Um, <clears throat> and I went back the next week. I'd, I'd given him the name of the track, which I think was, I think was The Trooper. Um, and he played me the trooper, but it was like some god awful fucking like blues jazz infused version of it. So, so you know, so he could play the notes, but my god, he he had no understanding of kind of like vibe and and feel and and genre basically. Um, I mean that's that's old musos for you though, isn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean those are. Uh, those kind of people are the reason I hate Eric Clapton. Mm. Uh, uh -huh. I mean, you know, those are the people who, um, you know, think that the amount by which you bend the note to get the correct bluesy bend and the stupid facial expression you pull while, mm. while, while you're doing it um, are the important part. And uh, I can absolutely understand your, your infuriation. Um, yeah. Yeah, you, you, you mentioned Eric Clapton, and I feel the need to say, you know, never, never want to hear his music in his life. But power to you, Eric. You fucking keep, you keep fighting the fight, man. Yeah, that's that's an aside, brother. Yeah, um, you carry on, Eric. Carry on stealing, uh, stealing stuff from black people and not giving them any credit for it. That's not my meaning, but but I, th I think the people that understand my meaning will understand it. Though. It's all right. It doesn't matter. It's an aside. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, um, uh, just shit like that I hate. Yeah, fair um, enough. And it's not a very widely understood influence, but it's people like that um, that are the reason that punk rock exists in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the main reasons that punk rock exists in the first place is people who just want to use an electric guitar to make a fucking racket and yeah. annoy <laughs> people like that. Yeah, to piss their parents off, basically. 
well, in, in, in my case, and in the cases of some other people I've met, to piss off people like that. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, yeah. Fair enough. Doc, Doc we've, we've been waffling on, I reckon, for 20 minutes since we've heard in his Slayer, and we're only 38 seconds into a five-minute track. I, I reckon maybe we should press on a little bit. Sure. <laughs> I love that riff so much, and here's why. Normally, what Slayer do, and what most bands do, is they will they will create a repetition that lasts for four bars. But here, they've got a repetition that lasts for eight. And, and so it kind of sounds a bit unusual. You know, you, you're kind of waiting for the change, and it doesn't change. It then carries on for double the amount of time, and then it loops back to the start. I think it's absolutely great. Yeah, I mean, I'm literally just enjoying listening to this part at the moment um it really is great mm. because if you think about i don't know kind of other famous slayer riffs with with, with these kind of melodies you know you've got like dead skin mask and i can't do that i'll tap on the laptop so people can hear the like the rhythm do 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 oh hang on do 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 you know? Yes. It's four, man. I double time the first one, which I shouldn't have done. It's four. And then it repeats, you know, south of heaven. And then it repeats. But this one, they double it up. Man, it's 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 so I mean it's such a simple thing to do, but it sounds so weird. It really kind of tricks your brain, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is it because you're you're looking for you're looking for a solution that's more complicated than it actually is? Mm. Go on. Is it literally the simplicity of the idea that that tricks you? Mm -hmm. What do you did? Is that a direct question or rhetorical? Yeah, absolutely, it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe um, you're just expecting that loop back, and instead, Jeff. And Kerry, but kind of both simultaneously, it kind of cascade up the guitar, um, and, and and just prolong that sensation. And then when it when it goes back, it it, it I, I don't know, man. It, it's like it fires fires the serotonin in your brain. Oh, yeah, now we're back. It's good, you know. Your hypothalamus is activated, and and suddenly you feel great again. Very good. Mm. Um, should we carry on? Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely love the music. You know that that, that verse riff. Dun, 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 absolutely great. 
the chorus riff is fine as well. I'm still, st Doc, I'm still struggling with Tom's delivery. It's been a consistent problem throughout this album for me. Um, it's never been so much of a problem for me on this album as on this song. Right. Uh -huh. um, I think the other songs where you've particularly beefed with his vocal style um, are, have, have been songs that I've sort of already found other reasons not not to like very much fair enough yeah yeah so, th so that this wasn't is, the reason it kind of dragged it down for you that's right i mean this is the first song of this album at least where i do kind of wish tom had had found another vocal style to use mm, mm. because for me his style here is it is just sucking the life out of the, out of the great riffs yeah um, give me an example of a track where you think Tom gives an exemplary vocal performance? Uh, oh. I, mean, you know, I mean, you can't go far wrong with Angel of Death, can you, Doc? No, I don't think so. Uh -huh. that, that, that would be like my go-to. Yeah. I was just curious as to whether you cherished in the little shrine in your heart, like one song that you thought, yeah, that's that's where Tom, that's it. That's where Tom nails it. Well, I'll give you one, like, like a deeper cut if you want. Um, but it, but it, but it's from an album we haven't got to yet. It's from, it's from the next album. It's a track called Temptation. I think it's absolutely it, it, there's a small aggravation that they use a bit of studio trickery where you kind of get the echo before he delivers the line yeah I know but, you, know, you know the one but, but but that aside you know forget that that's okay um but but yeah I, I absolutely love his vocal performance on that track so yeah so a deeper cut for people I suppose I know the um I know the effect you're talking about very well and yeah. I can I can hear it from that track in my mind. As you know, vocal effects bother me a lot less than they bother you. Yeah. Um, so it's, um, yeah, I, I just wanted to sort of get squared away in my mind what, what you think of as being like the way that a Tom Araya vocal performance should be. Mm, mm. So, so, so why is this one so insipid, Doc? What's your take? Um. I suppose this is why I brought up the issue earlier on of like what, what keys people play in and what keys people choose, because he seems like he's struggling with the register. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It seems like he's really struggling to, uh, here, here comes some more expert musicology from me. <laughs> uh, it sounds like he's struggling to make his voice fit the notes. Yeah. No, 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 no but, but I mean, you're laughing, but. Uh, but, but I think the point you're making is totally valid. You know that there are some there are some songs. You know, you, you've been a vocalist. I've been a vocalist. There are some songs where your voice just fits that range, that register. Yeah. And there are other tracks where, where, where it just does not work. You know, I I can sing pretty much any Slayer song. I can sing along to pretty much any Maiden song. 
I really struggle with Metallica. There's something about James Hetfield's range that I find really difficult to hit. It seems clear to me, I mean, you know, let's get the Tom vocal conversation out of the way now. It seems clear to me that this approach was abandoned immediately after this album. Now, do you think that was based on kind of fan reaction? Do you think it was based on the fact that maybe the other members of the band thought, well, that ain't working? What do do you reckon, Doc? Speculate for me. Um, Once again, a lot of this needs to be held over for next week, but I think what we're witnessing here is a bit too much democracy. Yeah. Uh, I think we're witnessing Def Jam's Artists First Mm -hmm. policy a little too much in full effect here. Um, Slayer had obviously made a great album with Rain and Blood, sold a ton of records, and Rick Rubin, etc., were, were, were those kind of people anyway. And it's like those people are the musicians, they write the songs, um, leave them the fuck alone and, 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 and let them do what they do best because they obviously understand it better than we do. Sure. And I think possibly a little too much freedom and a little too much democracy. Sure. Um, in a lot of a, a lot of this album. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's press on, Doc. We, 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 we're definitely running long. Here we go. I'll show you signs that you would not believe. Experience pleasures not unattained. And one with Solo time, Doc. Pay attention. Here we go. Um, my new approach is I'm going to go with my intuition. I'm going to say that was Kerry King. That was a Jeff Hanneman. <laughs> oh, Doc. It this really is just getting funnier. This game is cruel to you, sir. It yeah. really is. Yeah. I mean, it, it, again, the solo section, you know, it, it, it's perfectly fine, isn't it? You know, Je- Jeff's kind of shredding away to his heart's content. Dave, he's, he, he, you know, he's holding down the fort, keeping it all together. Um, the riff's fine, but I, I don't know. They, 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 there's no, there's no real kind of life to it for me, Doc. Um, it's not. How many tracks has it been since we've had a really standout uh, Lombardo performance? Uh, well, I, I think goes to war. So yeah, so, so I think we're looking four tracks ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I, I think we're getting close to like what the heart and soul of Slayer is at this point. And basically, unless they can persuade Dave 
um, they can do everything they normally do, but a, 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 unless they can get a, an outstanding performance from Dave at this point in their career, they mm. never quite get up there, do they? Mm, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. If he's having an off day or just a kind of work to rule kind of day, and who can yeah. fucking blame him? Um, yeah, it, 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 the, the, the whole the whole thing suffers. Um, let's press on because we, we've still got a minute forty to go. Here we go. <laughs> I do like this bit. You, you've got that, that kind of bit, that arpeggio, and just like the, like the like the naked drums. I do like that. Definitely. Yeah. Frustrating. I just want to shake them and get, get the fuck on. Give me some life. <laughs> give me some energy. You're not enjoying yourself one little bit in, the, in this track, are you? Oh, I don't know. I've, I've never liked this song. I, 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 I always try because it is it, 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 it is quite beloved by general Slayer fans. I like the arpeggio. I like the big meaty chords. And then I think it, and, and, and then I think it stops for me. Um, we've identified, have we not, a lot of the less successful experiments on this album are when Slayer are trying to not necessarily emulate somebody else's style, but when they're trying to take an influence. Um, that just so I mean, in the previous track, they were well, obviously trying to do a Judas Priest and didn't do a very good job of it. Um, on another track, we picked out what we thought they were trying to do was like one of those hypnotic uh, one riff Stooges songs. Yeah. Um, can you pick out what they're trying to do on the? Can you pick out what they think they're trying to do on this track? Like, as in, like an obvious influence. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they think they're kind of being a bit. By, by kind of having that kind of drawly, you know, kind of maybe eerie sounding vocal. Maybe they're going for the doors. Maybe they're going for a bit of like Jim Morrison. Riders on the storm. Yeah. That kind of thing. Storm. 
riders on the storm Into this house we're born I'd never thought of that. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the same. I, I, I was thinking, uh, are they trying to go for like a, a, a Southern rock mm-hmm. style? Um, sure. Not specifically Leonard Skinner, but so, so, sort of something very swampy. Um, I, I like the fact that you call them Leonard Skinner as if it's like a man. I, I like that, Doc. That's very good. Yeah. Um, the only reason I call them that is because... <laughs> One of their albums um, has a pronunciation guide. Ah, great. Uh, yeah. One of their albums is um, using appropriate um, pronunciation cues. Mm. The title of one of their albums is pronounced Leonard Skinner. Oh, great. Yes, yes. So, so you've got it right and the rest of the world's got it wrong, but it, it does sound funny. Leonard Skinner. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, like, like the new employee. Meet me, the new employee, Leonard Skinner. It made me think of... Um, like an an ITN newsreader from the early eighties. Um, here is the news at five forty-five with Leonard Skinner. Brilliant! Yeah, that's great. Entertain me. Sorry, sorry, brother, I interrupted. Um. Yeah. So I mean, it, I I don't know whether they think they're going for that really kind of filthy, swampy Delta blues, southern mm. rock style. Um. The doors hadn't occurred to me, but that's a good shout too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I always end up in two minds about this because I really love it when people and bands push themselves beyond what they're technically capable of or push of themselves into unknown territories. Of course. It, 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 you know, I would always favour somebody failing from trying than, the, 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 you know, than failing through lack of effort, effectively. Yeah, and I think that's the difference between you and me. I, I, I would rather hear someone failing and trying than succeeding and not trying oh yeah interesting yeah mm-hmm. um you'll recall one of my bitterest disappointments on this album was um i think i referred to it as retreating into their safe space on mm. on, on, on track two yeah you're right when, silent scream yeah you're right um and you know no we've just had an album of that mm. thing being done the best way it can be so <clears> i mean i um this is another one of those tracks and in the end i think it's a failure but the idea is interesting enough for me to still get behind it yeah good Um, yeah do you just want to finish up now or yeah yeah we've 38 seconds to go let's let's play that So there we go. That was track 10 from South of Heaven, which is, of course, Spill the Blood. Uh, Doc, I didn't really like it very much. I, I liked elements of it. I like the arpeggio. I like the big meaty chords. The, 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 four, the kind of three and a half minutes or four minutes in between that, <coughs> take it or leave it. Here's what I liked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a perfect bookend to the opening track on the album. Yeah. Um, and I... I think it brings the concept of the album to a very nice close. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and in order to explain why that is the case, I think we need to talk about the lyrics. Welcome to part three of the show, which we call Evil Speak. Here we're going to read through the lyrics and dissect them as only we can. Verse one and chorus. Come walk with me Come walk with me through endless time. See what has been and what the future sees. Share the wisdom of old world that has passed. Step in a life that's yet to be born. You spill the blood, eternal soul. There we go, Doc. So, yeah, unusually for this track, we're going to merge the, 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 the first verse with the chorus because the chorus is only two lines. So, you know, no point separating that out. Um, I mean... To me, it's pretty blind in the obvious, isn't it, Doc? It's, it's about vampire, isn't it? Honestly, what it reminds me of, uh, and it's it's because you had to go and mention The Doors and I couldn't mm. get off, off, off that track now. It's not explicitly cosmological in the Slayer sense, but it's cosmological. Um, what it reminds me of lyrically most of all is um, a song by Joy Division called Interzone. I've travelled far and wide through many different times. What did you see there? The power and glory of sin. What did you see there? The blood of Christ on their skins. Which I think sound like Slayer lyrics, to be honest with you. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant lyrics. Of course, I'll splice that in at this point anyway. Um, would that predate this track, Doc? I imagine it yeah. must do. Of course it must um, do, because Ian Curtis was, was well dead by then, wasn't he? That would have been 1978. Blimey. So that's 10 years hence. Uh, 10 years prior, sorry. Is it possible that Slayer could be Joy Division fans? I don't think it's. I don't think it's out beyond the realms of possibility. Is it? I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility. No, um, no, 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 you know, because old, you know, Jeff was an old punk, and the old punks gravitated towards the post-punk shit, didn't they? Um. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's. I honestly don't know how much penetration post-punk had into what parts of the US. I've always sort of assumed that um, when when first wave punk rock sort of sputtered to a, an, an end, mm -hmm. the US went hardcore and the UK went post-punk. And mm -hmm. that, that's, that's my very simplistic understanding of, of, of what happened. Um, I wasn't there. And as usual, if you were and you know better, then please tell us. Sure. My understanding is that the closest thing the US had to post-punk was um, the US definition of new wave, which was roundly despised by the hardcore folk. 
Um, but then we're getting into some peculiar definitions because, for instance, I think dead Kennedys are as post-punk as anybody else's. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we, we're, we're getting into some peculiar definitions and we're getting into me having to rely on books that were written long after the event, in some cases by people who weren't there either. Yeah. So, oh, you, you, you mentioned dead Kennedys. I mean, nothing I've heard by the dead Kennedys makes me understand why they were kind of considered like a pure punk band. Because ev- everything that I've heard by them sounds so so far advanced from like pure punk. I, 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 clearly influenced, but 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 it must. I don't consider them part of the like the the initial punk wave. No, um, I, I mean. To begin with, they were were from San Francisco, which Mm -hmm. means they're coming from a completely different musical heritage. They're coming from a a very, very rich musical heritage in the sort of Northern California Bay Area. Yeah. Um, And if if they have influences from anything punk rock at all, um, I think it's much more... I can hear bits of Susie and the Banshees. I can hear bits of Public Image Limited. Mm. Um, so, like that that side of it, the weird, artsy, funny noises. Um, I I think at a push, you can probably say that Jellabiafra's voice is what you'd get if you forced Johnny Rotten to sing in a West Coast accent. Well, I mean, I mean to, to me, that's the only thing that makes Dead Kennedy sound punk is is his voice, and also his kind of antics on stage. You know, when when, when you have to see them. You know, obviously, I didn't see them at the time, but on YouTube, I've watched it. You know, and and it, he's punk as fuck when he when he's performing. Yeah, um, I, I mean, uh, at the risk of stating the bleeding obvious, um, I think it's the politics, isn't it? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think it's the um, <laughs> like militant leftist politics. Well, I I would say, and I know I'm using a word that has very, very, very different connotations nowadays. And I, 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 you must, you must stop me from from talking from from going on about this too much. But in the context of the time, I think they were what you would call left libertarian, um, which means essentially anti-authority, anti-government, mm-hmm. um, uh, and there's the, so many of these words that are negative nowadays in a way that they weren't. The word I wanted to use was individualistic. But isn't the funny thing, Doc? That you know, you know the, the, the you know people that hold those kind of those views now are the, are the very people that like, the the cancel culture brigade come after. You know, yes, yeah, isn't it crazy? Jello, um, Jello Biafra would these days would be called a fucking Nazi. Um, and the very and, and and the people who identified themselves as individualists and libertarians nowadays are aren't they basically people who just whine about why they shouldn't have to pay tax? Well, I, didn't, I, mean, they, and, oh, I mean, and, don't get me started, Doc. I, I think they're puritanical cunts that are a scourge on society, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, they're... Um, we haven't mentioned New Model Army for a little while. Uh-huh. Uh, there's uh, there's a quote from New Model Army, and I think I've got this right, that it's, liberty just means the freedom to exploit any weakness that you can find. And I, I, that's... I think what what libertarianism has turned into, mm-hmm. and so do you, know the, do, you, do you know that track talk song? Drop it in by any chance. Um, I believe it's two two five. Good man.
Um, this golden age of communication means everyone talks at the same time, and liberty just means the freedom to exploit any weakness that you can find. I'm pretty sure I've got that right. Brilliant. Okay. Things that meant different things in 1979 to what they do now. And yeah, I, I think what made DK's punk rock um, was the politics as opposed to any of their actual music. Yeah, sure. But we, we've played in a band, haven't we, where we were kind of accepted by, by the punk fraternity, even though we were not punk at all, based on our kind of attitude and, 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 and kind of political persona. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, and, but uh, we've mentioned this before as well. When you come from I mean, a, a, a pretty big city, a, a pretty big urban settlement, but not, not a national capital, you'll often find yourself in a place that, doesn't have the numbers to support a punk scene and a metal scene and an art rock scene and a gay scene mm. um, and a experimental electronics. So effectively, you just end up with the weirdo scene. Sure. And all of those people end up going to a lot of the same pubs, going to a lot of the same shows. Yeah. All the freaks together, basically. Yeah. And I mean, mm -hmm. in those days, um, as you remember, because you were there, it wasn't remotely unusual to have an experimental electronic dub band, then a experimental hardcore band, um, and then a death metal band. Sure, mm -hmm. on the same bill. On yeah, the I mean, our band that we, you know, that we played in together, we, we, we you know, we, we, we would happily be put on the same bill with, you know, quite extreme punk stuff, and but then kind of arty farty indie stuff, you know. And, and, and but it was lovely, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, and I mean, uh, I, that was one of the things I, was, I always thought was a massive positive about coming from a, a place that has enough people to fill a show, um, mm. but isn't so big to be separatist. Did, um, look, did, did we ever play with an oi band? I, I can't remember. Um, yeah, Four Eyes. Oh, Four Eyes, oh, really? Yeah, there we go. Yeah. There we go. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> At least two out of three members of Four Eyes were skinheads, if I remember correctly. <laughs> um, and, a good, and a good chunk of their audience was as well. Yeah, oh, great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bit of a um, <laughs> Politically, oh. politically terrible. I just, I'm, but I'm really glad it exists. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> what can you say? Uh, I... Um, <laughs> <laughs> they also have some, they also have some of the best band names as well. Um, uh, how can you actually get better than Oi Poloi? Oi Poloi is brilliant. Yeah, there's another one. I don't know if you mentioned it on the podcast before. In fact, it might have been you that reminded me, <laughs> which always makes me laugh. Which is the Four Skins. Which is absolutely oh, just genius, isn't it? Fucking great. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, there was much later than either of those, but um, there was obviously um, another band who considered themselves rather beautiful young men um, and thought they should have a loyal following of uh, teenage girls and in an attempt to fool people, they call themselves Oizone. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I, imagine, I, I imagine Louis Walsh was most upset. <laughs> <laughs> Doc, we haven't really talked about the lyrics yet. Should, should, I, I tell you what, should we, should we get on to verse two? Because we, 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 we are running dead long. Here we go. Verse two. I'll show you the fight that 
I'll show you sights that you would not believe, experience pleasures thought unobtained, at one with evil that has ruled before, now smell the stench of immortality. Said a vampire, no? Said a vampire? No? It's vampires. Come on. Yes. Um, from this verse onwards, yes, definitely. It's about mm -hmm. vampires. Yeah. Um, that first verse in particular was, I thought, very much about some sort of out-of-body experience where your not necessarily your soul could drift through time, but you were able to obtain clairvoyant images of past and future events. Mm -hmm. um, this was an ability claimed by... And I'm going to stop here because this is a bit of research I need to do. It was one of the occultists who was very influential on Heinrich Himmler. Right. And um, this particular person claimed a clairvoyance whereby um, he could commune with um, his his ancestors and his descendants mm. um, and see through their eyes what the past and the future were truly like. Um, knowing what we know about Slayer's interest in anything connected with World War II. Sure. Um, and for that matter, Joy Division's interest in many, many things connected with World War II. Mm. Um, I don't think it's completely beyond the, beyond the pale that there's a common influence at work here. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, and it, 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 it could be something like, um, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not vampiric, but, the, but there is a, the, the, are you familiar with Graham Masterton, Doc, the, the, the British horror writer? Only by name. Um, is, yeah. he as, is he as good as Brian Lumley? <laughs> Uh, well, I, 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 he, I mean, Brian Lumley, I love Brian Lumley. Like, ne his Necroscope series is, is absolutely fabulous. Um, terrible writing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Terrible writing. But, my God, the stories are absolutely fabulous. Um, and Graham Aston, kind of, kind of a, a cut above Brian Lumley, I would say. Um, <laughs> nearly Sean Hudson he's approaching Sean Hudson he <laughs> never gets to James Herbert level let's be real um, <laughs> he's, not, he's never written the rats come on um, um, <clears throat> but Graham Masterton his most famous book is The Man of Two I believe um, which was turned into a movie late 70s terrible terrible uh, I think late kind of hammer entry if, if, if memory serves um, oh wow um, but so he's got like, a book. You're just, you're just making me think now that there exists somewhere a horror novel about one of those adorable, like little fat dolphins from Florida. Oh, the, the, oh, the manatees. Oh, the manatees. <laughs> yeah, very good, very good. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, 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 he's got a book called The Devils of D Day. It, I mean, it, it's like an afternoon read, basically, only like 200 pages long. It's about an abandoned tank in France, kind of 10 years after the wars ended, there's yeah. still this tank that's abandoned and it's been sealed up. The French government have come and they've sealed it up and, 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 and you're not meant to go near it. And the whole concept is, you know, that the, 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 there's something inside it, basically. You know, the, the, So these kind of occult ideas of the Nazis were realised within this tank. I can't remember why I started talking about that, Doc. Help me out. Um, I... I think we're probably going to get around to um, something we always feel that Slayer should have jumped into with both feet, which is occult Nazism. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, 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 I mean, this book's a perfect example, and, and, and 
why Slayer did not embrace it is, is a genuine mystery. Um, now smell the stench of immortality. That's a pretty good line, isn't it, Doc? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you want to give us the, the, the third verse? Fill your blood, let it run on to me. Take my hand and let go of your life. Close your eyes and see what is me. Raise the chalice, embrace forevermore. You've spilt the blood, I have your soul. Excellent, yeah, excellent stuff. I like that word chalice because that kind of... I mean, it's a great word anyway, chalice, but, 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 but it kind of... I don't know. Until that, until the the use of that word, this could have been like Buffy vampires, couldn't it? Um, but just that word chalice, I don't know. Somehow sends it back in time for me. These aren't contemporary vampires we're talking about. This is this is something I don't know, a hundred, two hundred years ago. What do you reckon, Doc? Yeah, um, I, it's it's such a redolent word. Um, I mean, apart from being a um, a very 50s, very um, delicate. Um, it's a word you find in old pornography, um, meaning vagina. Mm. Really? Uh, yeah. Chalice means vagina? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, okay, fair enough. I, don't mean, I suppose there are many words we use for vagina that make, like calling it a... Like, a box makes no sense, does it? So chalice is no less logical, I suppose. Um, I, if you look at sort of what um, a medieval chalice looks like, which is a, a much much more of a long tube than the sort of punch bowl thing, ah, okay. I, do, I, I don't think it, it's, it's, it's a great stretch of the imagination. Sure. Okay. Um, in any case, it's um, in heraldry and in military symbolism, which Slayer are also very well aware of. Mm. Um when non-commissioned officers' strikes point downwards, they're called chalices. And when they point upwards, they're called swords. So raise the chalice, you're suggesting, a, 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 you know, so, so the, the, the stripes are down at the moment, raise the chalice and get promoted. Well, um, what would turn your downward-pointing sergeant stripes into upward-pointing sergeant stripes if you made a Nazi salute? That would do it. Oh wow, Doc! Doc, you're absolutely blowing my mind here. Yeah, <laughs> did, 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 did. you think that's real or? Did, did, did. Um, I've said many, many times the members of Slayer, um, they don't always get it right, but that they clearly always paid attention in poetry class. Mm. They try much harder with their use of illusion and parts of spe- and, and, and parts of speech and, and parts of poetry than people ever give them credit for. They don't always do it right, and they don't even always do it very well, but they, they, they try. They try a lot. Um, a very, I don't very, think it's out of the question at all. That's very, very... If, if that's true, Doc, that is absolutely... I mean, that, that, that's genius on their part and, and, and incredibly insightful on your part too. Anything else to say, anything else to say about these loots? Because to me, I don't think we've got much to say because it's just so blindingly obvious. It's about vampires, so there's nothing really to say. 
Um, I want to talk about it as a, I've used the expression before, as a bookend to the first track on this album. Mm -hmm. And the first track on this album is a set of apocalyptic statements, pretty much four verses, four apocalyptic statements. Yeah. Uh, things you are going to see. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of a recap, things you have seen. Sure. And it's not a completely su successful attempt, but I think it's a really determined attempt to open an album describing a concept and finish the album by closing the concept. Sure. Have we got any of the Slayer cosmology in here? Because it seems yeah. like we should have. I mean, I've scoured, I've searched, but I, I, I can't spot any. There's nothing obvious to me, Doc. I mean, and, unless you can kind of claw something out of it. I've got nothing. The closest, the closest I can get is this line, share the wisdom of the old world that has passed. Mm -hmm. What is this expression, old world? Is, is this old world in the 50s geography teacher sense of it, as in on the planet Earth, there was the old world, meaning Europe and the Middle East, the new world, meaning the Americas, and the third world, meaning everything else. Mm -hmm. The ancient world, as in the world of... Um, the Athenians and the Norse um, and the prehistoric Indians? I would say my interpretation would be this is the old world when the vampire reigned supreme and did not have to skulk around at night. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, and and stepping alive that's yet to be born, I think that's indicative, and and it ties back to the second. See what has been and what the future sees. I mean, it, it's clump. That's really clumsy. That repetition of sees terribly clumsy. I think it should say see what has been and what the future will be. I think that that would be much better, okay. wouldn't it? Um, so so that but the, and then that ties in with 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 the fourth line from the first verse: stepping alive that's yet to be born. So the old world that has passed is the time when the vampires reign supreme, and the and 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 the the life that's yet to be born is the future that will be, which is when they reign when when they once more reign supreme. Yeah, that works for me, and I don't see any reason to dispute with you. Mm. Mm -hmm. Anything else to add, Doc? I, I, th I think we're kind of uh, running on fumes with these lyrics, to be honest. Yeah, so do I. Um, yeah. And it, they're not disappointing, too. That they, they give me closure for the start I, of the album. I don't think they're bad lyrics. I just don't think there's much to talk about. No. Um, so, um, shall we conclude? It's about vampires, then, isn't it? <laughs> it's about vampires, eight. <laughs> Welcome to part four of the show. Here we just offer our final thoughts and summations and talk about anything we might have missed along the way. Uh, writing credits, music by Jeff Hanneman and lyrics by Jeff Hanneman, of course. Um, according to Setlist, um, this was played by Slayer a measly, really, 127 times, putting it in joint 55th position. Um, first play, uh, Agora. Cleveland, Ohio, not the Tacoma Dome for once, which all the other <laughs> tracks seem to have been. Um, and the last play was at the State Theatre, Portland. That's in Maine, Doc, not in Oregon. I thought Portland was oh. in Oregon. There must be two. <laughs> um, according to Loudwire, they put this in 75th place overall of the 118 Slayer tracks that they've reviewed. Um, here's what they say. Whether its words portray satanic sacrifice or, more likely, a person's transformation into a vampire. Um, Spill the Blood teaches a masterclass in drawn-out pent-up tension. 
The song's opening melody surely ranks among the daintiest in Slayer's sonically crushing <laughs> canon <laughs> and provides a perfect ending to South of Heaven. I agree with them. I said I couldn't think of a different adjective to delicate, but they've come up with one here, which is dainty. I like it. I was trying to think, like, if I'd have read that review before hearing the track, I wouldn't have been able to get the idea out of my head that the introduction was performed on a glockenspiel or a xylophone. Or <laughs> but, but, but I don't think they're wrong. That lovely... Dee, 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 dee. I think it is dainty. I think they're right. Um, yeah. yeah. Anything to say, Doc, before you pronounce? I have not, no. You're done. You sound tired, my friend. Um... I'm a little bit weary, honestly. It's all right. It's all right for you to peep behind the curtain. It's five past ten here on here, here on Earth. Um, <laughs> so it, it, it's okay if the doctor's tired. And, and you, 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 you've got to return to your liquescent state shortly, I believe. So, you know, it's normal. I'm beginning to puddle already. Yeah, fair enough. What, what a grotesque image. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um Go on, the doc. I've, I've got nothing really to say. I didn't really. Look, I, 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 I love the. I love the, the the arpeggio. I love the big heavy chords. The stuff in the middle gets stuffed, and, and that's it. Yeah, I, I think it's a pretty poor ending to the album. We'll get into my kind of final thoughts on the album next week, of course. Um, but I think anybody that's been paying attention will have noticed that my scores have plummeted. Um, as the as the album has progressed, so there's you know there's a heads up. Go on, the doc. Give us your score for this one. I liked it a lot more than you did. Mm-hmm. I think you did. Um, so um, I mean, I I love the introduction. Um, I love that starting riff. The the repetition in the middle um, didn't bother me nearly as much as it bothered you. Yeah. Uh, the outro section um, with the solo uh, I thought was great. Yeah. I agree with you about the vocals, but not to the same extent that you do. And it, it's 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 a solid six for me. It's a six. Fair enough. Yeah. No. No, fair enough. I am in the minority. It, it seems to me, you know, from you know, reading around the place, everyone seems to love this track. I don't. I'm giving it four. Mouldering most schools out of ten. It, it it doesn't suck. It's not it's not rubbish. It's just kind of. I just think it's a bit subpar. That's all. Well, there we go, then. There we go, guys. Um, that's about it for this episode. Don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter at Vercast or on email at slightanicvercast at gmail.com. I'm just going to record that doc from now on and just clip it in, basically. I'm so <laughs> sick of saying it. Um, join us next time when we'll be delivering our South of Heaven album overview. You all a tingle, doc, because I am. Yeah, and um, I think from now on, uh, this 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 regular episode, I think we should call it the Wordict. The Wordict. Go on then. Any reason? Because to be truly metal, you have to pronounce W's as V's and V's of as W's. Of course, of course. Yes, but if you're from Scandinavia, that's how you say yes. your W's, isn't it? That's how you say your V's. Yeah, Doc. I was. I was it was a stupid question, and 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 you you were quite right to to, to respond with derision. Good for you. <laughs> Doc, I'll see you next time, brother. Take care. Bye-bye.